0: Hello, Joshua. How are you? Is everything fine?
1: Yeah, this is going to be very exciting. Oh, hello. Oh, my dear. Gladiators! Make it stop. Things do the happenings.
0: (laughs) This is brutal setup.
1: We are always busting our balls!
0: <laughs> hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Netflix and Thrill with your hosts, Marcus. I'm Marcus. And Josh. Say hello, Josh.
1: Hello,
0: Josh. That's witty. Yeah, it is. It's Excellent good start. Excellent start. They can only go
1: yeah.
0: downhill from here, probably. Maybe uphill. Let's find out. So. Just a reminder of what we do in this podcast, we go on Netflix and we use a very complicated algorithm to find a film to watch. We then watch the film, chat about it a bit, you might hear some of those clips later, Um, and then we review it, kind of, at the end. And that's what we do, isn't it?
1: Yes, and we're backed by popular demand.
0: I would say it's exceptionally popular demand. I had a particular, we, we kind of shared this project with others to check whether it was okay, whether it was good uh, or whether it was a horrible vanity project that we should never do again. And I think the kind of response was that was okay, you should do it some more.
1: But what podcast is not a horrible vanity project anyway?
0: I think we should leave the, the kind of self... Um, Reflections for, for later for up? later in the night well actually because that worked quite nicely the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, we had some nice reviews some little kind of snippets from various people um, about the first episode and the one that stuck in my brain was from my mum and uh, so I rang up my mum and I went mum how what did you think of the first podcast and she sort of paused and went Josh is incredibly funny <laughs> which has filled me, filled me with uh absolute confidence for the rest of this so uh on that sort of highlight everybody i'd just like to remind you well actually not remind you tell you for the very very first time that you can get in touch with us now there are two separate ways of getting in touch with us one is you can email us at netflix and thrill pod at gmail.com someone's nicked netflix and thrill at gmail.com which is a little bit of a worry but uh, I think I think we should be okay. And the other way you can get in touch is by leaving comments on our website, which we made. We learnt how the internet worked over the weeks in between weeks in between this podcast and the first one. And our website is www.netflixandthrill.co.uk. We're currently operating on a kind of 90s based communication system, and we might move it into the 21st century with some Twitter and some Facebook. Some social, Facebook, medias, some social medias. But we need to look, look, learn how those I mean, work. you set there?
1: a carrier pigeon service as well.
0: I quite like that. I quite like my own pigeon. Yes. What would you call a pigeon that we had?
1: Um, probably um, because one of my favourite French footballing. So I know we're supposed to not talk about football much anymore because we had a episode, but one of my favourite French footballing terms is uh called the pigeon's leg which is when a footballer kind of cocks his leg out at a funny angle to control the ball so maybe i'd call it like
0: the pigeons or (laughs) something like that i I was gonna go for bernie but yours clearly has more of a reasoning behind it rather than just the first name that popped into my head so there we go so without further ado then let's find out what it is we're going to be watching Josh is primed and ready with his uh, with his machine to and tell the us category what, tonight. what is, is the category?
1: Kids and family. Kids
0: and family. This is really exciting. Hopefully, we are. Get, this means we're definitely going to get a film. A film,
1: yeah, a film that's a actually a film, documentary.
0: rather than a football-based chat where we can talk about Ronaldo. And it's a low
1: number, is number
0: thirty-four.
1: Thirty-four. Oh, maybe we've skipped past labyrinth.
0: Five. So if I've done five, that's 25, 30. Arthur Christmas! Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Coming to you in uh, the midst of heatwave number two of summer 2016, post-Olympic triumphs. We're going to get into the into the mood of the rest, the kind of the, the bit of the year that's coming up. The main highlight in this miserable Brexit year to look forward to, of Christmas with a dose of Arthur Christmas.
1: We could pre-record this and just release it at Christmas.
0: We could do that, but I feel that would that Did would be be, di- be disloyal to would our listeners, disloyal. Joshua. Yes. So, um, in that case, everybody,
1: You've seen Arthur Christmas.
0: I've not seen Arthur Neither Christmas. Neither have I. Excellent. So it's going to be fresh. It's going to be exciting. It's not
1: very long.
0: It's it's brief. All of the good things. Well, we look forward to speaking to you guys later. Bye bye.
1: Merry Christmas. (laughs) Fire orbital gun. Contemporary reference. Well there's clearly something very interesting going on with their heads and fellowship. They just fell out of the sleigh.
0: Welcome back everybody. We have just spent Merry the past... Merry, Merry Christmas, one and all, uh, on this scorching bank holiday evening. Um, we have just spent the past hour and a half, hour and a half in the company of Arthur Christmas, uh, happily tucking into some festive fair in the middle of summer, which has been lovely in some ways. At least it has been for me, because I... I I should probably say as a disclaimer at the start, I do bloody love Christmas.
1: He does like Christmas. He's already talking about where he's going to put the Christmas tree. I've been
0: talking about where I'm going to put the Christmas tree. Um, This is going to be the first year in the flat at Christmas. So Marcus has already been thinking about where he's going to put the Christmas tree since he kind of
1: got the flat, maybe? Shall I disclaim about my feelings about Christmas? How do you feel about
0: Christmas, Josh?
1: I like Christmas... Good. At the time, but it is, like, only August.
0: Okay, so you don't have any... I mean, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not feverishly excited. My, my interest has been piqued by our film choice, but okay. it, is, it isn't a... a, a I think you're a much, much
1: more Christmassy person yes. than
0: I am. So that's kind of fitted nicely with watching Arthur Christmas today. So it was nice to get back in the Christmas spirit. Arthur Christmas, just to kind of remind you all of who's in it and what it is, uh, it's a Christmas film, surprisingly, from 2011, featuring voice talent including James McAvoy, Hugh Laurie, Bill Nighy, Melinda Stoughton's in there, Jim Broadbent's in there. Lots of exciting people. I've got
1: some more exciting people to talk about in a bit.
0: Josh is going to talk about some more exciting people in a bit. And just before we kicked off with everything, we just thought we'd do a quick synopsis, or I will do a quick synopsis, um, of what happens in the film, just so everybody knows what's going on. So just before before I do that, uh, spoilers, obviously.
1: Spoilers for Arthur Christmas.
0: So if you're... If you've tuned in to our podcast about Arthur Christmas and don't want to know what happens in Arthur Christmas, number one, what are you doing? Number two, you should probably turn it off now. So, Arthur Christmas, we open with kind of scenes focusing on Christmas kind of starting. Well, actually, we open in November with a letter kind of arriving from uh, from a kid, from little Gwen, who's going to feature quite prominently, but not really on screen for much of the film. Uh... To Father Christmas, and that's kind of, that's probably kind of in order to, to sort of show the main spirit of the film. But we very quickly shift to uh, Christmas unfurling and the kind of military-style operation that Christmas has become in this film. With with I think it's trillions of elves. They helping. said
1: trillion at one point, but I, I assume that was an exaggeration.
0: It could have been. It could not have been. There's a lot of elves. A lot of elves. And they big... all
1: seem to be trained in ninjutsu.
0: Yes. Lots of elves, um, all delivering presents. Um, This kind of technology-based military style has been uh, created by the son of uh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus played by Jim Broadbent, or voiced by Jim Broadbent. Um, His son is called Steve Claus... is an interesting name, who has brought in all of this technology. And their younger brother of Steve is Arthur Christmas and we probably know where that's going to go eventually. Uh, We also have some other characters such as uh, Margaret Claus, who is wife of uh, Father Christmas, or the Santa long Claus, suffering long-suffering, Mrs. Claus. who is voiced by Melinda Staunton, and we have some other people too, including the elf that kind of helps out in the caper that I'm about to explain.
1: Oh, is it a caper? It is right? a
0: oh, <laughs> oh, it is a caper. A so,
1: Christmas Caper.
0: What was the name of the person who voiced uh, that the elf again?
1: Bryony. Yeah, oh, it's, Bryony. it's Ashley Jensen. Ashley Jensen. Who Rose whose flame burned brightly as starring alongside Ricky Gervais and extras then she went over the pond and was in Ugly Betty and then seemingly disappeared, but is in this. But
0: is in this. So that's where she got up to.
1: She didn't sound like herself, though.
0: No, she didn't, really. Um, So basically what quickly happens is they kind of cock up Christmas slightly and there's one child left uh, without a present. Arthur is not happy about this. What is one
1: child, Marcus? It's only one child.
0: Christmas is important, Josh. This isn't a laughing matter. Um... Arthur gets a bit worried about this wants to fix it runs off to go and do so Uh, his grandfather who is voiced by Bill Bill Nye or Grand Santa as he is referred to uh, is kind of wanting to relive some glory days and essentially drags Arthur off to go and solve this problem and that is the bulk of the film is them sort of herring around different bits of the world, they
1: caper around, cl- caper, they, they, they go do caper, they like bloody caper around the they globe, they bloody
0: caper around, and in the end, as you can probably imagine, everything sorts itself out, um, and then Arthur becomes kind of King Arthur of Christmas. And that's the end. So that's kind of what happens in the film. That's pretty thorough, isn't it?
1: That was pretty thorough. I think any of the minutiae can,
0: we can will get into come up later. later. Yes. But we've got the important part. But of
1: basically, yeah, it, it's, it's a caper. They caper around, and then in the end, it's fine.
0: Yes, I would agree yeah. with that. Everything is fine in the end, as it always is. So, Joshua, what was your magic moment? Well, there was no real discussion about which one it could be because Josh was doubled over crying uh, during his magic moment. The
1: only... I'm quite an emotional person. It's the only real moment of emotion I displayed in the film was during this magic moment. So um, a part of the caper that we've talked about um, is that they're not very... Because they're riding around in the ye olde sleigh. It doesn't have the the cloaking device or any of the technology that the... S one slave spacecraft has. Um, it's only kind of cloaking device. It's a. It's like a cardboard box.
0: It's a cardboard box that changes um, kind of colour and shape,
1: yeah. which doesn't seem to be
0: particularly useful.
1: No, apart
0: from when it turns into that alien one.
1: Yes, so which seems the, more
0: useful? Sorry, so fish.
1: during the um, the various capering. Lots of stuff happens that alerts the various world governments that something is going on, and they believe that an alien craft is is um, entering Earth's atmosphere and is coming to. They, they believe it's first contact, and as it, we reach the climax, the denouement of the film.
0: Nice word.
1: The the world. It's given a weird acronym. It's, it's like given UN something something something. The world. I The World Council of Military yeah. Leaders. Uh, convenes via some screens. They decide that the best thing to do is to shoot it down with a Predator missile from a Predator drone. So the drone chases the sleigh around the airspace of Cornwall. And it becomes clear that um, Arthur needs to, to get the bike to Gwen.
0: Get out the the bloody [SSSSSS3] sleigh before it gets blown up by by the military.
1: Before it gets blown up by the military. You assume something is gonna happen and some magic is thing but some magical circumstance will happen to get them out of it. No. Grand Santa throws throws Arthur and Bryony out of the sleigh, lets go the old reindeer, and then and then allows the sleigh to be blown up by the predator drone. And it looks like he gets blown up as well. He's but he doesn't, he's and he fine, everyone. He lands in a bin and he's fine, but he... <laughs> he's very close <laughs> to the explosion. Is he going to commit heroic
0: suicide? <laughs> <laughs>
1: what?
0: This, no, they have to get... <laughs> <blown>. <laughs>
1: get it i've probably not done it justice in describing it like that but it was pretty spectacular it was pretty spectacular <laughs> i just didn't think that they would blow i'm up.
0: sure i'm sure if you look on i mean the internet's a special place if you it's look on, on the internet well you can go on netflix yeah, obviously watch and watch the netflix. whole film um but if you just want to watch this clip just just look for it it could be it could be um fabulous
1: just google um, arthur christmas Predator Drone <laughs> explosion <laughs>
0: I bet you weren't expecting that as a headline from, from this week's oh. show. Marcus, um,
1: what was your magic moment? My
0: magic moment? Well, I think we're slightly touching on... An area of favourite kind of character, nurse, kind of favourite figure in the film. We've mentioned that Bill Nye's in it. Bill Nye is great. Bill Nye is great in Christmas films. So all of those kind of stars were aligning, and uh, he plays this very, very cantankerous Grand Santa who is kind of sad that all this technology is around, and kind of longs for the analog world of his of his magic sled with its kind of chemical chemically lifted up. They mined the
1: magic from Aurora Borealis. They said. Yeah,
0: they cut bits of the stars off and made the made reindeer magic fly. Dust that
1: makes them
0: fly. So there's one point where he's talking about uh, kind of what was it called? It's called sort of what was it called? Sled fever. Slave fever? Like
1: Sleigh, something like, slave like that. Slave madness or something. Or something
0: like yeah. that, um, where kind of things are kicking off a little bit. And he refers to a previous incarnation of Santa Claus. There have been uh, sort of a great many Santa Clauses, as we've This showed. is the
1: 20th. The Jim yeah. Broadbent is, is Santa 20th. And I believe
0: it was the 16th he was referring Santa to. Santa Claus 16th. Who, who kind of got a, a particularly bad case of slave fever. and a, In and 1802. Gave, uh, cr- You are good. Yeah,
1: I've written it down. I'm writing a book on the history of the clauses. (laughs) Um,
0: And gave every child a sausage nailed to a piece of bark. And that really made me chuckle. Um, I think yours was more exciting, your magic moment. It's the most... But mine was nice because it has Bill Nye in it. And I feel that's a time maybe to... Shall we talk about the the characters characters and the the people who are in there? (laughs) As you probably get a sense, I would say, well, my favourite character certainly was um, Grand Santa, played by, voiced by Bill Nye. Would you say the same? I
1: would agree with that. I would say that Grand Santa is the most funny, kind of exciting performance. He's just Bill Nye's about for a bit, really. They asked me to come in... Because i have been all the Christmas a, films. ...a day or two and just be a bit cantankerous and then... Um, that's what we can sing when that get sued but full of amazing aphorisms about what Christmas was and just strange phrases it must have
0: bewildered the children some yeah. of these phrases. What was I think one our
1: favourite or certainly my favourite was he said, he, he said something along the lines of I don't know what the, what, the, what the start of this sentence was but it concluded with the phrase right down the rocky <laughs> hole uh
0: yeah we went, it went very only fools for some yeah, it, right which I was interesting for a film that was definitely aimed a kind of international mm-hmm. audience to some yes. extent and, a, and an American one to be talking so much about um uh very British things which was nice but also interesting um we also had I would agree with Joshua that uh Bill Nye was by far well like he was the di- most distinctive performance of, yes. of, of something that somebody you would in, you kind of enjoyed watching um or, or hearing. the or, breakout like, character yeah, of the film the breakout character exactly um Obviously Bill's been here before, done some excellent Christmas films and he was right yeah. on form for this. And he did a again. song
1: at the end. And he did a song. song at the
0: end. He clearly contractually obliged to do, to a, Christmas do a Christmas song in the Christmas film. And so everything was great. Um, somebody who did slightly less well <laughs> was was Arthur himself. I think despite I think Josh and I view the film slightly differently, I think we sit on slightly different sides of a fence. Um, but I would exceed that Arthur that, that James McAvoy's performance as Arthur was not as good as it could have been, perhaps. It was a little on the...
1: Grating, shrill, annoying. It was very annoying.
0: You did find it annoying. It was annoying. It's because he he, kind of puts on a slightly uh, feckless Kind of feckless voice, clumsy, feckless voice figure,
1: where he falls over a lot. Yeah, but he He kind of does it in his voice and goes, "What's what's going on, Christmas?" But it's a little bit
0: much, and like you kind of, you could take a little bit of that kids film. You can do slightly silly voices in kids film, excuse me, Um, but to have it the whole film, it just seemed a bit of a gurning idiot.
1: Even when um, obviously. There, it's kind of a story where there's a rise and fall and there has to be a kind of a message even in the parts where Arthur became disillusioned with Christmas yeah. and as a may have had to renounce his surname well, I think his surname was actually Claus not Christmas it's all very good. we have to renounce his Christmasness. ness um, he was still played it very broad like oh I don't like Christmas anymore oh I'm gonna lie on the beach Christmas Whoa. It was just, that was,
0: I mean, it, it does pain me to say that was not an inaccurate representation of the voice. He was um, just
1: very, in that kind of moment, a kind of a, a more restrained, well-directed performance would have kind of, like, it would have been more sub- subdued certainly. and it would have been full of pathos because he lives his life around Christmas. His job, seemingly, is to reply to all the Christmas letters. Yeah, which is something no one else wants to do, but he does it because he loves Christmas yeah. and he loves how much Christmas means to children. But he, like... At that moment, where that kind of view is doubted, and that yeah, it he needs to tone it down a bit, and he could have just or, been or a, gone bit a bit, like,
0: more, a bit, a bit oh, more James
1: bloody Christmas, eh? Oh, what's it all about? I'm fed up. Wonderful. Wednesday, it's like ad- oh, Christmas. Wonderful, <laughs>
0: wonderful ad hoc scre- uh, s- script writing from
1: when they reboot after Christmas.
0: You're going to put those words in. Yeah, that's gonna it's going to be fixed. Yeah. Um, excellent I I think we should talk about some of the other just just quickly certainly I think talking about so Steve who is kind of son in line to the throne of of Santa uh, I
1: believe he is the heir to the pole
0: (laughs) heir to the pole which we did have some fun talking about the heir to the pole Um, which does sound ludicrous Um, it's played it's voiced by Hugh Laurie um, Hugh Laurie is kind of—he's voicing this barrel-chested, um, sort of tech tech hunk, you might refer yeah. to him as. Which, seemed, which was a little jarring, but I suppose his form is kind, kind of fine. It's just, it's just his voice is a little bit kind of. It's either a bit on the kind of sli- slightly funny side or on that slightly old, not old, yeah. but older side. And so he sit, sits in a slightly funny um, space in between in this. Well, I think but,
1: that was, that's more an animation choice of the decision to make Steve this kind of. Even though he is a techno kind of person, this kind of macho man almost. Yeah,
0: Come, um, completely. But I think his performance was kind of it was fine. good. There's a little
1: uh, bit of singing as well, where he goes off. He has like a he does go for a bit. For he, has, he has a bit of a breakdown when um, when they find out that the that the the two older clauses are going to go and try and rescue their Arthur and Grand Santa. He kind of goes, "Oh, what's the bloody point? It's just one child," and he kind of walks off singing some
0: Christmas, Christmas songs goes, whoa,
1: whoa, 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 which is
0: quite good which is nice and then I suppose just to touch on the last few Jim Broadbent plays main Santa it's I think um, telling maybe a little that he's not on the main credit on the Netflix thing yeah. um, I think I think he was okay sometimes he got a bit annoying because he was very much oh, I'm, I'm hopeless Santa oh, I'm, I'm hopeless, really old I think I'm better than I am but I'm actually not that good kind of Santa yeah. um, which was okay could get a little bit annoying um, but it was overall kind of fine. And then who else do we have that was a note? His wife's played by Melza Staunton, Staunton who is great. always wonderful, always despite the limited amount she got. That little bit where she gets to kind of t- tell him what to do yeah. when they go off to save the- to help save the day at the end is lovely. Um, I suppose the other people have I don't them,
1: care about Ashley Jensen really, she's fine. But...
0: She was fine. Um, having Jane Horrocks turn up a couple of times was lovely. Can we um, talk about the. Joshua, wants, Joshua is wielding phone in front of me with a big list of casts here, and I haven't actually you
1: don't know this so this, been isn't
0: pri- this is not privileged information for me so this is going to be exciting for all of
1: us so we picked out Jane Horrocks' voice in the kind of the, the elf cavalcade, um, but there are nice loads of other again. people who are really really famous and they all did well and it's telling that they kind of Jane Horrocks was the only one that really distracted because she does have a very distinctive she- voice she is the little voice of course but um, like for example all the other kind of Elf Assemblage were voiced by Sanjeev Baskar Robbie Coltrane Joan Cusack Reese Darby Flight of Concords Andy Circus, Dominic West um, mm. Kevin Eldon and um, Stuart Lee, as Stuart, well. Lee? Is Stuart Lee? Fanny, mean, who was Stuart Lee? I mean who was Stuart Lee? Yeah
0: I um, think that I think that probably kind of it, that probably makes sense a little that there's kind of quite this wide range of very talented people yes. kind of having a bit of fun. You know when it's, it's a Julia bit Davis
1: like... as well, Townsend Gregg, Alistair McGowan. Bloody hell! Yeah, it's but yeah. So and that's classic Aardman. David Schneider. That's classic Arman though. In, in getting kind of that was something we didn't say earlier on. Arman
0: Arman have helped yeah. make the film.
1: <laughs> I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover or its film by its logos. That was very that was that's very wintry. Very oh, it's Arman. Aardman.
0: Are we can get shocked by what's in every single <laughs> film that we watch because we're such judgmental fucks yeah. that we think everything is shit until we see something that we? Do. I think that covers most of the cast we wanted to talk about. I think we've captured most of our feelings on the performances. Um, should we go on to talking a little bit about the kind of the main body of the work and talk about how it is as a film, kind of our views of it as a film? Maybe maybe we'll start off how we kind of felt about it individually before kind of going on to some of the detail of it. I quite liked it but then as I said at the beginning I do bloody love Christmas so I was kind of willing to suspend for reasons of A. kids film B. Christmas film elements of the irritations of some of the bits and pieces that weren't quite working and it had a kind of a certain central um, theme and feeling that we'll kind of touch on in a second which I was kind of perfectly happy with and it kind of it it did the job for me it was not outstanding but it was nice. I feel that you had had a different feeling towards it.
1: I was intensely bored by the middle the main middle caper element. The caper element of it I found very boring because I felt it lacked a kind of a plot thrust or kind of anything like that. I was that's not saying I, I very much enjoyed the, the start of the film and a lot of the world building was nice. Um was really good and really interesting, but I felt that um it was a bit light oh, it lost. it lost its way at right? little. And I and I don't necessarily think that that can be um, 100% excused by the fact that it's a children's film particularly with Armand involved because Armand films tend to they tend to be well plotted and they tend to I
0: know be what you mean out. but I still liked it yeah, no, so no, no, I yeah. think that's probably that's probably the different hats yes. slightly that we wear but um, I can't
1: I was bored in the middle very very bored in the middle <laughs>
0: And uh, went off on certain exciting tangents as a result, which we will come on we'll come to, on to. Yeah. in a bit. It's interesting that you talk about the world-building build, world stuff, though, because it's quite an interesting one in terms of how it's presenting Christmas. You know, we get different presentations of Christmas in films. This one takes a tack of kind of, it talks about technology a lot. Everything's about um, how people are connected through these new technologies that have been brought in by Steve... Um, I think maybe, he was called maybe Steve because he's Steve Jobs. Yeah. I think probably has something to do maybe, with it
1: because he invented a, 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 like an iPhone, the Ho called Ho, Ho, Ho Three Thousand.
0: And it's sort of and that technology element was um, quite different, quite nice. It also has a very uh, militaristic aspect to it, um, which is interesting for a Christmas film. You don't really associate Christmas films with um, guns and shooting uh, or Christmas. I mean with guns, shooting, violence, and the military. But um, this one did quite like going down yes. that tack, and we'll, and we'll cover that beyond later. Beyond the
1: Predator drone as well. Yeah,
0: beyond the Predator drone. Um, amazingly, amazing the fact that not only is a Predator drone featured, but it goes beyond the Predator drone yeah. in terms of its military references. Um, but what I think the, kind of the main message was, is it's that kind of, in, this, in, in the world that we live in, the very nature of the fact what we're doing right now, making something that's kind of embedded and entwined with technology... Um, is about kind of that Christmas being a little bit of a step beyond, a step above, a step separate in that kind of that. It's got that emotional underpinning, which it, it, you kind of you push that technology stuff slightly to one side, and it's about those kind of feelings, as emotions, and, and kind of the feeling that it generates in other people, and you kind of generate in other people by being by that kind of thoughtfulness and that, and, and what you can and what Christmas is all about, with that kind of togetherness, that family, all that kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's the kind of underlying yeah. message of it, I would guess.
1: Definitely, and there is. Um... Whilst there is a kind of heavy strain of anti-technology, anti-intellectualism in the middle, particularly from the Grand Santa, who uses this map that um, doesn't make any sense. It's got all kind of the The wrong... cannibals on it. Yeah, so here be cannibals. It's got Atlantis on, and he kind of gets in all the wrong places with it. Ultimately, the film, whilst the the film's message is is about um, family coming together and Christmas being the traditional element of Christmas being good, but there is a sense of synthesis at the end because yeah. it's not like Steve uh, is presented... He's kind of, I suppose, the antagonist of the film in a way, but he's not a purely antagonistic role, which is perhaps something that I felt was, was perhaps it's lacking like, in the yeah. film. But at the end, Steve kind of gets his, gets his ideal job in the end in that he becomes kind of the the kind of the head of like Was it Santa-
0: C O is that chief operations officer? It was
1: something like the CEO C O O The C O O of Christmas and kind of runs all the technology aspect of it so the technology is still there but it's been used yeah it's an enabler for, almost it's an enabler of Christmas joy whereas at the, the Christmas that is presented at the film at the start is very much one where yeah. technology has supplanted the role of the Santa yeah, and, and that, therefore the role of tradition because the, uh, the, the Jim Broadbent Santa doesn't really know what's going on and it, uh, you can see how his reliance on Steve and therefore his reliance on technology bleeds out into every other aspect of his life there's quite yeah. a sad scene actually when he goes to bed on um, having completed the day and him and Mrs. Claus exchange presents but Mrs. Claus has bought herself a present and That's says here is my present um, and gives it to him and he goes oh I'm so good at my job and gives it back to her.
0: There's a little bit of that. It's an odd it's slightly odd kind of how it deals with they're, they're an odd they're slightly it, it feels like they're kind of echoing the monarchy a little bit in terms of its presentation of them. I think the King Arthur element of him finishing, uh, of how he finishes up at the end, kind of rings true a little because how they're presented as a family, the world is presented as this kind of sort of quite 21st century, modern, mixed, in all different sort of types, uh, place um whereas the family is very much i mean you could imagine it as as prince charles being prince charles equals santa a little bit in in how this is or, or or kind of prince philip or whoever it's that it's that kind of character slightly blundering um slightly stiff upper lip, slightly kind of or very archaic really both in in terms of world views and and,
1: and in terms of how he acts um that 's definitely that royal kind of element is definitely true because the kind of the, the, the Santas are regularly numbered, and it is about primogeniture in the end, Steve, yeah. even though he is the more competent at least kind of yeah the more competent figure in terms of organizing or whatever, is going to become Santa because he is the eldest because he 's the firstborn yeah. son, and there is definitely that royal, that royalist kind of element is definitely part of it because. The, um, Jim Broadbent Santa does have a moment where he's like, oh, I'm not just a figurehead, am I? I still do things. Which yeah. is very much kind of what, oh, what I imagine a lot is, of yes. royalists kind of think. And is very much kind of like, oh, I want to be Santa now. Why is it my turn to be Santa? He's,
0: or maybe he's Prince Charles. He's Prince Charles. Charles. Yeah, he's, he's Prince, Prince Charles. Charles. And then kind of Santa is the queen. But like a slightly Prince down a bit,
1: queen. Because I don't think, she's not that like I know her. But I think Josh she's kind of... Josh's close
0: friend, uh, Liz...
1: Lilibet, as she was known when she was growing up. Um,
0: you don't get that kind of inside no. info without a very deep personal connection.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I would say that the Queen is perhaps more self-confident than the Jim Broadbent Santa in his yeah. kind of place to figure. But that's but, very much kind of. But I
0: think what it all kind of, the whole feature of that them being that family, then being that togetherness, all of that stuff together, um, kind of follows on to one of the problems of the film, and kind of you mentioned a second ago of it of, of having kind of a lack of proper antagonists and i've always kind of felt with a sort of always kind of felt i'm always thinking about bloody <laughs> christmas films um you kind of feel with most or most films generally but also these kind of quite um sort of popcorn-y films you, having quite a good antagonist helps make things kind of uh, rush along or one that makes a lot of sense whereas this kind of lacks that it's
1: good for it's good for the children i feel watching as well having it's like pantomime for someone to boo at and someone to know kind of yeah. what's going on and I, I'd imagine that um, part of the part of the reason I was bored in the middle was that the caper kind of took prominence but they did flash back to what was going on in the North Pole and nothing seemed to be kind of really happening and it was just a lot of kind of Steve going oh what's going on what's going on yeah I'm not very happy about this but not kind of doing anything to kind of stop it it'd
0: probably be quite confusing it'd be interesting to know actually how kind of I mean kids sorry i suppose because it's probably be quite confusing because he's he doesn't have like he has that very standard arc of like of starting off as this figure being kind of and as negatively this kind of that quote that he said like christmas is no place for emotion yeah. uh, and then kind of not wanting to go and say and go and give this present to this child um all that kind of stuff is his kind of negative moment where he kind of reaches his low and then he builds back up a little bit towards the end but rather than having a very kind of deep dip and a kind of sharp rise at the end it's quite a flat line it's quite it yeah. doesn't really move much and that and as you're saying i suppose from your perspective and i and i understand it as well that it, it, it leaves some of that middle section feeling a little bit more laboured than it could do if you had a bit more sense of threat a bit more sense of um kind of will they won't they mm-hmm. you would maybe feel a little bit more engaged at those points and wouldn't have to use uh drones uh, to add threat
1: I think there's definitely two ways you could do it you could the the drone bit is weird but there's definitely a way that you could you could do it in terms of um, making more of a kind of a threat and a kind of sense of worry about being discovered because there's all these when they talk about the, the aliens coming there's all these pictures of kind of uh, news around the world saying there's an alien. Oh, we're being invaded by aliens, and they the, the elves panic and Steve panics. But there's never any sense of when they panic that they're like, oh shit, they're going to find out about Christmas and they're going to find out about us and it's all going to be ruined. They're just kind of like, oh, what's Arthur done? There's no yeah. articulation. Well, of that.
0: you have like little bits of that, but it's also it's quite self-focused mm. as well. What's going to happen to us? Um, it's like whilst Christmas still remains that. Um, that kind of idol, that kind of dream that you don't want to shatter it, it doesn't have that same that you don't get that same sense of worry at some points I think or not quite as much of it as you would like I suppose so
1: I think that the way that you could you could do it either through um, amping up the role of the a- Ava Longoria's role and the role of the government in maybe saying that like oh maybe this is Santa don't oh, no, be stupid it can't be Santa and then kind of questioning whether this is actually and then Santa. becoming
0: a bit more and then he actually being hunted slightly yeah
1: or you could do um, what they do in uh, the Santa Claus 3, where... Um, <laughs> we're, reaching Santa, a, we're reaching it, we're cool, reaching it. the Santa Claus 3?
0: Careful, everyone. I, you, if you don't want to know what happens in Santa Claus 3, turn It's the turn Santa Claus, now.
1: because you don't get the pun if you say the Santa, Santa Claus. Yeah, because it's the Santa me. Claus. Forgive cause me. Because it's a legal thing. Excellent. Claus I'm Claus. glad oh,
0: we learn something new every every podcast. Don't you? So
1: I think, if I remember correctly, in the Santa Claus Three, what happens is that um, Tim Allen's Santa Claus starts to basically subcontract a lot of Christmas to Jack Frost, and then Jack Frost ends up kicking him out and turns Christmas into something incredibly commercial. And I think he opens up the, the factory in the North Pole into a theme park, and I felt that even though. I'm not saying that this should have done that. I felt that if Steve had been more along that kind of line, in the sense that was making Christmas much more commercialised rather than just technologified, um, that would have provided more yeah. of a kind of thrust. Thrust of the threat. And I think one thing, one way they could have done that was obviously that we've said that part of their kind of weird. ...discussion was about the royal line and, like, who is the Santa or whatever. If they'd maybe presented Steve rather than, like, the elder brother... ...who was kind of um, destined to become that pushing off, out... ...maybe if, it, if Steve was either the younger brother or someone else, like an elf... Yeah. ...who was helping out Santa and becoming more... ...making Christmas more technologified... Yeah. ...and therefore Santa wouldn't have to retire and pass on the mantle... Because, because apparently none of these characters age, which is something we'll talk okay. about, uh, that would have maybe provided that kind of element of the yeah.
0: plot. Yeah, I suppose they had, and they kind of had room to do some of that, and they didn't really do much of it. I mean, you, kind of, you have Echo, that's kind of what that technology point is making, but they didn't really dial it up that much. Um, I think that covers sort of some of the main points we had about sort of the film as film. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about Christmas films more generally, and kind of how that sits in terms of things, uh, or what we like as We have some Points of very close similarity in terms of Christmas films that we like, uh, probably most notably Muppets Christmas Carol. Your Muppets um,
1: Christmas Carol is the greatest Christmas film ever
0: because it's. But that's partly, I think, because of that antagonist point. you've got like a proper, like Scrooge is is proper nasty at the beginning, and you've got songs, and you've got Muppets, and you've got a kind of a very clear sort of story, and and it's kind of it's just lovely.
1: But it, there's, there's character development in 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 a Christmas Carol, I suppose, as well as a Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Whereas in this, I'd, nobody really kind of changes much. Changes by the end. I mean, Steve is maybe a bit nicer, but he still does that same job. They just exactly make the they
0: just slightly more. They just make some decisions. Yeah. I suppose it goes from inertia to decisions. Yeah. That's kind of it. That's not really character development, really. All
1: that happens is that all that really happens is that Jim Broadbent Santa retires by the end. Yeah. And Arthur becomes the Santa. Yeah. But we don't Christmas. know what Arthur. Who really...
0: knows why that he's called that. <laughs>
1: But his surname is Claws in this. They've just said you're the Claws. That's okay. Or is his surname Christmas? No, it's Claws, eh? Arthur Christmas Claws. Middle <laughs> name. Maybe Poccio. Maybe the whatever her name was, I've written it down. Margaret is um, is either the Christmas or the claws, and he's got double barreled surname. He's Arthur Christmas Claws.
0: It's quite the pair of families.
1: <laughs> the clauses of the Christmases united at last. <laughs> a great dynasty will be formed. Why is that the voice? We're in Brooklyn? Hey!
0: Other Christmas films that we like. I'm going to have a quick plug for It's Wonderful Life, which is definitely. which has got, got probably. no definitely nothing to do with this film whatsoever but I just want to say how much I love It's a Wonderful Life I suppose it has I mean everything has some connections in terms of uh, it's kind of sorting something out and the Christmas spirit and all that sort of thing Um, but It's a Wonderful Life is I mean I think definitely my favourite Christmas film I mean Muppet's Christmas Carol is kind of they're kind of two different halves of it I suppose one's that kind of I just bawl my eyes out that It's a Wonderful Life often when I'm in the middle of cooking some I'm almost always ridiculously stressed like trying to baste a turkey, and and then I'll watch a bit where I don't know he can't go on his trip overseas or or something sad happens and he kind of goes oh I'll deal with it or I'll deal with all those or, I'll help you out nice people or, I'll I'll beat the, the the nasty man with all the money, um and and it's lovely.
1: Who is the George of this film? <sighs> is it
0: There's Steve? no one. No one's good enough to be George in this film. No one is George. Steve Bailey is in like this.
1: George Light.
0: No one's good enough.
1: George,
0: why? But Steve doesn't, Steve doesn't, like, do enough, he doesn't have, the, he doesn't have any, the whole point about, um, George is he has empathy. I suppose Arthur's closest, but he's, he's, no, he's no George Bailey.
1: Yes.
0: But, um, is there any other, I mean, obviously Love Actually's got Bill in it, singing. has got Bill in it, and does some
1: singing.
0: So that's got a nice, neat comparison, of something, I mean, how do we feel about Love Actually? Love
1: Actually is very problematic, because it, now There's it's got some really weird stuff in it very weird like
0: Card Man the
1: Card Man I don't like Card Man the Card Man
0: at the end the man yeah. just for everybody spoilers for all of those films um, the Card Man at the end who kind of bleeds his heart at Kira Knightley um, with his annoying cards which are yeah. just you look back on it and it's just like oh my god there are bits that are really yeah difficult in that film but it's, also, but it's also kind of, I suppose, because of its nature, it's kind of sits there in that pantheon and is kind of entitled to that space and it's something you'd still watch. But I think for me, I'd always, this is probably going to get us off the air, saying that we're yeah. not massive Love Actually fans. Isn't that bad? I do you
1: like it a lot. I don't I do like I it, like it very, as much um, as no, It's, it's a Wonderful so Life to. or,
0: or um, Muppets, though.
1: I've already mentioned my favourite Christmas film. What was that? The Santa Claus three. No, it's not really. How dare <laughs> That's you. That's terrible.
0: How dare you um, lower the tone?
1: I think a kind of a point a comparison to this one is obviously the kind of the Christmas films we've mentioned thus far are very have the kind of the message, but they are um they're well plotted or whatever. They're not capers. No. Um this is just a caper. But a kind film, of a capery it? kind of Christmas film that maybe has a comparison is Jingle All the Way. Because Jingle All the Way is exactly the same, it's about getting a present to someone.
0: I'm not sure I know Jingle All the Way, Jingle so know I'm not sure I can engage with this conversation. Have you not seen Jingle All the Way? No, what's Jingle Turbo All the Way? Turbo
1: Man, I look for Turbo Man!
0: <laughs> Maybe I should see Jingle Is that Was that an Arnie impression?
1: Yeah, Turbo Man.
0: What does Arnie do in Jingle All the Way?
1: Arnie, Ma- Arnie Man? <laughs> Arnie, <laughs> Arnie the Arnie to get Man. A, um, a toy for his son. He wants his son oh wants no. a turbo man a turbo a turbo I want a turbo man uh, but he can't get one and he kind of like searches around to get him the present and there's a bit where he dresses up as a turbo man and his, has like a jetpack and fights someone <laughs> and then I they think learn, maybe they learn the meaning of Christmas at the end They think, doesn't need a turbo
0: man I think maybe seeing as we've covered I mean things like the Grinch are good as well like that
1: a mean one that's good
0: exactly um, I think the fact that we're talking with Arthur Christmas in terms of of Jingle All the Way, uh, rather than that. some, <laughs> rather than some of these other films. Probably suggests where it sits uh, in Put the future. cookie down. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We've just briefly <laughs> transitioned into Josh. Jingle All the Way. Jingle. <laughs> Sorry, it's uncanny. We've got Arnie in the room. Um, it sits somewhere separate from some of those films. Get just
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop
0: he won't stop ladies and gentlemen he'll do yes. it again I know he will um,
1: do, we, do we talk much about we've kind of touched on the message
0: I think we've touched on the message a bit into, or, quite, or, or quite fairly how completely. does it compare I
1: suppose to the
0: way I suppose it's, other quite other it's quite modern it's very much of it. it's time it's very much of now it's that kind of it's few things really deal with that technology aspect because it's not necessarily that relevant but it is, it is pertinent I suppose but it's not it's not it's probably just doesn't quite it doesn't hammer it down your throat uh, but it doesn't probably quite do it doesn't say it strongly enough for it to be overt enough to ever really ever change anything that ever anybody would actually ever think i think other great i think it's a wonderful life makes you it makes you care more makes you it's like it's like I want to capture that spirit and and ha- and be that kind of thoughtful um to some extent um that's kind of the feeling that you feel after that well you don't have that in this you it's don't very have the feeling interesting you want to change
1: in this that um and it just kind of portray the kind of the society that we live in now is that that kind of message at the end of it is is delivered is delivered through gifts and yeah. it's it's about kind of the, the kind of the emotional resonance that happens is they all the clauses are gathered in uh, in a cupboard <clears throat> it's hilarious watching gwen Play with, her, play with play with a bike,
0: which is the bike is the present that was left behind, yeah. and that's and it was and it was sweet. And, and I thought it was quite sweet. However, the whole crux of this has been like, what's she gonna see when she when she gets downstairs and there's no presents there? And the bike is then placed at the end by Arthur in front of this bloody massive pile, pile of, presents. of presents. And you're and you're like, oh, so she would have been fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. It would have maybe had more resonance if it was like a child who. Definitely wasn't going to get presents. Yeah,
0: certainly. Maybe
1: that Mexican kid... Oh, there's a weird bit where they go to. That
0: would have been their... very hard to understand. <laughs> so Sorry, they go to the wrong. That. They have to go to what is it? True. Trelu? trelu, I think. Trelu? In Cornwall, they go to the wrong Trelu in Mexico. I, one one I don't know if we've go. worked out whether there is a route. Is one? It. Uh, we I didn't get. Them. We didn't get round to looking up the Treloo in Mexico and whether it existed. But they go there by accident, and maybe he should have had a nice bike. But
1: that kid gets a nice he gets bike a nice in the anyway. So everything turns out well. So
0: should we talk about finally? We've kind of felt that we wanted to cover an area called sort of weird things um, that happen in the film um, because there's a number of weird things that happen I'm going to open with my favourite weird thing which is it feels like it's kind of a bit George Bushy it's like Bush
1: yeah he is bloody Bush
0: Santa is Santa Bush.
1: Bush so what's the Iraq comparison going to be the infrastructure of this year's Christmas wasn't planned properly <laughs> <laughs>
0: They say mission accomplished a lot, and the big banner, and then there's a big, like, statue of ice that topples at one point, and And you're kind of going, is this talking a bit about Iraq?
1: So What's going on? It's very, it is very military. I mean, even the three generations of, of Santas, I suppose, if you count um, Steve as the next one, like, even Grand Santa has, like, medals on his jacket. Yeah, and he
0: got shot in the war a lot.
1: Yeah, he got a lot shot of down things, by the Nazis. A lot of
0: things apparently died in the past and kind of almost die in this film um, which is unexpected for kids fun Christmas caper um, in particular the deaths of three reindeer three in the rain- war. Yeah,
1: three reindeer got killed by the Nazis when Grand Santa was shot down in 1941. <laughs> <laughs> over Lake Geneva. Maybe the Swiss did it.
0: Maybe they did. But also, is how threatening he is towards all the elves.
1: He does he, try to kill.
0: He tries Bryony to kill Bryony by throwing, throwing her out of the sled, and she only survives by shooting tape guns to tape herself onto the back of the sled. Otherwise, she would die. And he gets shot at, and the drone shoots and at him And the
1: drone shoots him down. <laughs> did he try and feed Bryony to the lions?
0: Maybe. They almost get eaten by lions. They
1: almost get eaten by lions in Africa. 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 Sorry, we did air quotes then. Well shit. The...
0: the... Oh, God. Oh, no, they're going to die. They're always getting the the reindeer.
1: (laughs) Why does it really die in (laughs) this (laughs) film? They're fine. But they're just going to get... Oh, yeah, they're all the...
0: (laughs) Flying animals. This
1: definitely.
0: Won't get why are vicious. these all awake eating? And they almost die. And they almost die. And there's a lot of, but there's a lot of that. The violence element was odd and the militaristic element was odd. Um and I appreciate it fits slightly into their narrative of it, but I don't I didn't never quite understand why it had to be so military. And it was just strange to have those kind of messages floating with the Christmas film, in a way that was never seen as a negative. It was never kind of gone. You know what? Guns are bad, kids. It was almost like, oh, some shooting happened. Doesn't that add to the excitement? Yeah. It's Don't if, kids love guns?
1: It's as if they they kind of they only know the word precision through the phrase military precision, because it was it was a military exercise, and it, and like even even um, Steve is wearing like some weird Christmasy camouflage as his kind of uniform and he's got some epaulettes and things like that. It was very, like, modern warfare.
0: Yeah, it was very strange in terms of... I didn't particularly... I felt they could have kind of of toned that down a bit. Don't think... Well, I suppose kids are supposed to like guns and fighting a bit, but... It just didn't seem that necessary and was just a bit much, some of it. Especially having drones chasing them down. The, drone the drones with the missile was... It did look like he died, <laughs> briefly. I mean, you do. I think he, they do put in a little bit where it's obvious that he jumps out. But it was, wasn't was much of a little bit.
1: But it, the, the problem is he kind of... He puts out his arms in a kind it's of... It's sacrificial. Yeah, it's like he's embracing death. And there's a lot of in the film where he's like, I'm really bored, I hate being Grand Santa, all I do is sit in my chair all day, I'm doubled over, I'm carrying around the antler of a dead reindeer as a walking stick, probably one of the ones that got killed by the Nazis. He's had a heart attack in 1923. It's, then he
0: goes mad at the end. And he
1: goes mad Which at is the like end. a little
0: bit... Like, yeah. <laughs> old guy.
1: That would have been my magic moment if I hadn't... Have when he pulls all that reaction. rubbish on the floor. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a real... It's funny. Kind of real genuine comedy in that uh, when they finally get to Gwen's house, uh, they have like a bit of a, a uh, like a disagreement about who gets to give put the bike under the tree and kind of fulfil the Santa role. And they finally decide to let Arthur do it because Arthur is the one who's gone about it. And he kind of very emotionally, very quietly goes up, places the bike below the tree, and there's like a very there's like a nanosecond where you kind of go, Oh, oh and relax. And then Grand Santa <laughs> having fallen in a bin, having been blown up by the drone, <laughs> and then having been pulled to the house by a reindeer, pulling the bin like he was king of the tramps, and then upends like a sack a Bin bag sack full of rubbish. Oh, that
0: is, and that adds to the to the to the love for Bill Nye's bit. I think. Yes. Before we get on to when we wrap up, talk about the bits so whether we kind of recommend it. Before we do that, I'm going to give Josh a couple of minutes to talk about his favourite bit, or well, maybe not favourite bit, but certainly the bit he got most animated about in this film: um, the timeline. <laughs> Um, McAvoy could have wrote this in a little bit. He's
1: very over the. <laughs> right, I'm running the ages down. Grand You're Santa obsessed. is 136. This Santa has to be 90. No, I can't. Because he's been doing it for 70 years. These numbers.
0: You're to have start at 20.
1: Oh, if he's 136. I'm going to
0: hold this here a little bit. <laughs> It's a kid's film. It's alright if the math doesn't add up entirely. He's
1: 136. (laughs) So, I'm pretty sure Chicago existed at that point. You have outstanding
0: critical faculties, Joshua, but I'm not sure this is the best use of them.
1: So how old is Steve, then?
0: That's okay, because Steve looks a lot older than him, so it's, it's plausible that he would have been a similar age.
1: But he stopped flying in 1941. Steve couldn't have built...
0: You're going to get yourself stressed, Josh. Um,
1: it needs to be... I need to get to the bottom you can, of this.
0: You can, you can mention it in the thing. I'm sure there's a Reddit thing somewhere <laughs> where they've talked about this not making sense. Oh, sad slipper. Right, the
1: timeline.
0: So, Josh had a couple of problems with the timeline. Josh, as you probably... I think we mentioned in the first one, Well, we'll mention it again anyway... I mean, we both quite like history things. Josh really likes history things. And his history antennae were right up there, right up, hovering around when some of the timelines were mentioned in this film. Off you go.
1: I think this is an indicative of how bored I was by the caper element as well, is that whenever there was a date or whenever there was a number, I would seize on it. So as I said earlier, there's a scene at the start where um, they show all the succession of Santas through paintings and you get some dates there and things like that, which was kind of... I peeked at the start my mind peeked at the start and I was like okay maybe they thought thought this through let's keep an eye on this but they clearly didn't because it's all over the place and I think it throws up some serious questions about the nature of the clauses and what are they are they humans are they not so we know for a fact because he says it that Grand Santa is 136 <laughs> years old
0: okay yes we know I will, for a fact yes.
1: He was shot down by the Nazis in the Christmas of 1941. Yes. And that is the year that Jim Broadbent Santa took over the role of the Claws, exceeded yeah. from being the heir to the pole yeah. to the Claws. And he's therefore been doing it for 70 years. Yeah. I want to know. Why? Obviously, you can, you can infer, therefore, that the reason Grand Santa had to stop when he was 66 was because he was wounded by the Nazis. Those bloody Nazis. Those bloody Nazis. I want to know why Jim Broadbent Santa, is must be in his 90s, therefore, yeah, looks as young as he does, and therefore, how old are Steve and Arthur how
0: old are steve and arthur that's the really big question we should be asking
1: how old are steve and arthur
0: that that will be the title of the the thesis that gets written <laughs> by you in your sleep probably about this
1: I, obviously it's a film and i shouldn't get too weird about it it's
0: a kids film about christmas
1: but there's it's there have been 20 clauses in the history of yes. santaring there is a, there,
0: they all a, seem to have different ages. and different It doesn't ages, seem to add up very nicely. Different
1: stuff. It doesn't really add up. But I do want to know there is magic in this universe because they talk about magic and they talk about mining the Aurora Borealis. But I want to know how magic the people are because they don't seem to age and the ages seem to be really disparate.
0: More magic, less ice.
1: And I also want iPhones. to know less ice, iPhones. They should have called it the Ice Phone rather than the Ho Ho three thousand. Then it would have been
0: two Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs would have gotten out of his grave and got them for that.
1: I also would like to know about the nature of Mrs. Margaret Claus. I would like to know about Where Margaret she was... came from. Because
0: she's like she's very underused. Yeah, she's very They could underused. have used her a lot more because she's good and it's a Melder.
1: great. But they they kind of do a very lazy cop out thing with it in that they're like, oh, Jim Broadbent Santa patronises her and says oh we're doing whatever Mrs. Clauses do but then they, it's implied that she fights and presumably kills a polar bear and <laughs> more deaths more death and also knows how to fly the ship and all sorts but that's it really it's just kind of like flagged up like oh she can yeah. do these things she's an yeah. independent woman it doesn't really matter but I it's very where did she come from yeah are they all, like, inbred? Because does that mean that the clause line ends now? Because there's no clause for It's a question, It's a question that
0: is unanswered, and, and it would be nice to... I suppose maybe for, for kind of brevity reasons they didn't go into that, but it would be nice maybe. to know a bit more.
1: Well, um, I want to really, really know what happened to clause number 17 and clause number 18. They
0: don't seem to have had very long on this earth.
1: No, because as Marcus said earlier, in his favourite moment, Santa Claus the 16th in 1882... Did his bark and sausage thing. And Grand Santa is the Santa Claus. He's Santa Claus 19. And he stopped in 1941. 136 years old. So we can infer, therefore, he was he was at least doing it in 1923. Because he had a heart attack in 1923. So that gives us 100 years, roughly. When there were two 70. clauses. Yeah,
0: so something bad might have happened to them. Yes. More death. Off-screen death. Maybe
1: one got killed in the Boxer Rebellion. Or Maybe. something like that.
0: That would have been... Different. Um, I think then it's time to kind of wrap up and do our recommendations. I'm gonna go first. I I would recommend this film in a certain context at a certain time. So if you're sitting there on Christmas Day, um, tired and or you're either either you've had all your food and you're tired and everyone's a bit drunk, or you're earlier than that, and you're bored, and you're waiting for somebody to finish making food. Then, perfectly acceptable, watch it. It'll get you through a few, an hour and a half perfectly happily, and tell you some Christmas messages. However, if you were going to go look at your big Christmas DVD collection and select a Christmas DVD to watch, this would not be the one I watched. So it's kind of a it's a different it's a recommend, but kind of with a caveat. Not sure you're going to be quite the same.
1: Yeah, I, it it very bored. It bored me a lot, and I imagine that even. As a kind of a film to plant the kids in front of on Christmas Day or in around the round of Christmas period, um, it's I I just imagine that cho- any child old enough to appreciate the nuance of the story would be bored by it because it does get a bit boring in the middle. Yeah, and there are so many better children's Christmas films you could put on that are capers to do them. You could just put Jingle All the Way on,
0: and then we could have more Arnie. And more Arnie impressions and that'll make everything better. Um fantastic. So what I'm
1: pr- the dinosaurs, the ice age
0: <laughs> Well there was we that go. Our cue? Sorry, well yeah, well it was now. <laughs> um <laughs> 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 um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, just a quick reminder again, if you'd like to get in touch with us, we have got our 90s tech hats on. we spent a lot of time slowly working out how the internet works. We think we've got it sussed now. We
1: could do with a Steve.
0: We could do with a Steve. With a Steve. With a if anybody wants to be our Steve, um, you can get in touch on... You can email us at Netflix and Thrill Pod at gmail.com. Pod is P O D, just in case that's a funny spelling. Uh, Netflix and Thrill is how it's spelled on the thing that you're listening to. Um,
1: All one word, all lowercase.
0: Yes, as standard email malarkey. Um, You can also go and leave comments on our website, which I worked out how to make. Get in. Um, www.netflixandthrill.co.uk, which I bought. For a tenner, in case anybody else got, in case this went massive and anybody else tried to try to buy it and and make us spend fortune on it, I got in there first.
1: You're Panda the real head. Steve of this podcast. I'm the, I am Steve. You're the Steve. I'm it's the Grand Santa. Santa. Santa, but the really, but the Mad Grand Santa <laughs> after he had his fall in the bid.
0: And on and on that and on that note, on that very appropriate note, I think it's time to say goodbye and and Merry Christmas.
1: Yes. Goodbye and Merry Christmas. Bye. Feliz Navidad. I don't like heights. I don't like carpets. We're abolished income tax in 1816. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. No, no, that'll be an extra Christmas because there's no tax or less tax.